Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. My next guest is Vicki Wilson. Vicki is an educator serving children in the field for over 28 years as a teacher and principal. She's passionate about education and strives to make it better every day. She's particularly interested in educator learning, leadership, and organizational change, and progressive and innovative practices in education, which leverage best practices at school to make an improvement so that all students can get the best education possible. Currently, she is a proud principal of Monroe Elementary School in Wynadut, Michigan, and she is also learning at student centered. This is a student learning at student centered school that values both student and adult collaborative learning. Monroe was named a nationally recognized model PLC school by Solution Tree in 2018. In 2020, Vicki published Lead with Instructional Rounds, Creating a School Culture, a Culture of Professional Learning. And she's also taken place in uh, a few other books, which uh, include. In 2021, she was part of the uh, 100 author collaboration that I was also on in the 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing, and the recently published 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Administrators Should Stop Doing, which were published by Pushing Boundaries Consulting. Vicki enjoys connecting with Professional Learning Network through Twitter, Twitter chats, blogs, and events. She is an author, blogger, and presenter, and she presents and consults around instructional rounds, PLCs, positive behavior supports, and restorative practices, reimagining SROs, stopping the school to prison pipeline. Welcome to the podcast, Vicki. Hi, Dina. Thank you for having me today. Well, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Um, tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to call out. Definitely. Um, I've given that a little bit of a a little bit of thought. Um, when I think of being in the trenches, I think of, of a hard time, um, something that I might grow or learn a lot from or something that changes me as a person. And and I've got a couple examples, um, one being early on in my leadership career and one being more recent. So um, I'll start with when I first became a principal. Uh, I was a principal for, I became a principal at the school that I was, I had been teaching at for three years prior to that. And it was such a special view, I would say, as I started to go into classrooms mm-hmm. for the first time as a leader to look at teaching and learning and was able to go into classrooms of the people that I had been a teacher with for a few years. So it gave me a just an interesting perspective of seeing those that I had worked with and watching them teach and work with their students. And it was something that I hadn't done before. So um, unfortunately, I realized the great benefit of being a fly on the wall in their classroom. So um, however, shortly after I became that principal, we found that we were going to close our elementary school and Mm -hmm. due to declining enrollment and 
then merge with another elementary school in our district mm -hmm. that was nearby. And so that was a pretty tough time. I knew it would be tough, any kind of school merger is. But as we started going through it and coming together, we realized, or I realized, that we were two very different schools that operated mm -hmm. very differently, mm -hmm. different cultures, um, different mode of operation. And that was definitely a time in the trenches, trying to lead these two teams to come together. They were, it was a struggle for each group mm -hmm. to unify and to um, even learn to appreciate each other. So that was definitely a time in the trenches that, that took probably a few years to really get out of it and um, help each school see um, what all of their colleagues had to offer and to come together and create one unified school. And uh, you also learned a lot about leading change around restorative practices. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, as a new instructional leader, teachers um, might react negatively to different um, styles of dip discipline or different initiative uh, initiatives. So how did, how was that kind of a trench story for you as you became a leader um, at that school that merged? Um, that was also a diff difficult time too. You know, um, I've been a principal now for 16 years and, and we've seen a shift from um, a more traditional disciplinary approach to moving into restorative practices. So that was a tough time in that it was hard for teachers and leaders and parents to um, shift from that consequence or punishment-based approach to a support and relationship-based approach. So um, I think that one of the strategies we used, I would say in, in both, like in the school merger, in um, trying to grow our capacity around student support and a change of approach to behavior was to get into each other's classrooms. And when I became a leader, that was a priority for mm -hmm. me. How do mm -hmm. I how do I grow and break down barriers and help our teachers come together and unify under a common philosophy and approach? Um, and what we ended up doing was getting teachers into each other's classrooms, but we wanted to do it in a, a non-threatening way where we're actually looking at what are the positive things that are happening? This was really effective in the merger when we had two different two different um, schools, I would have to say, coming together that um, may not have appreciated each other in the beginning. And um, as I could take a group of teachers and go into a classroom, for the purpose of looking at what's positive that's happening, what are the strengths that this teacher has that's that's a research-based best practice, and what impact is that having on their students and their learning? And when we could get our teachers seeing that from their colleagues, it really broke down those barriers. We were able to highlight um, positive relationship building skills that were happening in classrooms, ways that teachers can support students in a way that impacted student learning. So um, it's really the work 
that I wrote about in Lead with Instructional Rounds is taking teachers into each other's classrooms to look at the positives rather than deficits that are mm-hmm. happening. That are happening. Um, how can we, what are the strengths and how can we learn from each other so that instead of looking at what's wrong and how we can fix it, we're actually looking at what's right and how do we grow that and share that and validate the work that we're doing and honoring each other. And that really did break down the walls and help Mm -hmm. us to come together and learn together about best practices. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the book, um, Lead with Instructional Rounds, Creating a Culture of Professional Learning. Um, So was this something um, that's based on kind of evidence that you collected over a number of years? And one of my big questions is, like a lot of the time people want to do this and get teachers in and other teachers' classrooms, but it's all about like coverage, right? It's, do we have funding for subs or how are we going to make this happen logistically? Absolutely. Um, the In the book, Lead with Instructional Rounds, it really starts with the story, the story of the school closure mm-hmm. and the impact that had on okay. the staff of both schools. Um, that story is in there, and then how we use this approach to overcome the differences and to come together and create one unified new school that was different mm-hmm. than each identity of the two separate schools. Um, throughout the book, though, we are, you know, I tie in a lot of research around Hattie's work and Marzano's work about reflective practices, and it does change the script a little bit around instructional rounds. And um, and what I mean by that, it it changes it from that deficit approach to that strength approach. So we are going in to look at um, what is happening well in this classroom that's having a positive impact on student learning. And then we step out and then have a collegial conversation about those practices and mm-hmm. how we can grow those in our own classrooms. You're right, though, it is quite a, there are some logistical challenges, and I would say now more than ever. Um, there's also opportunities now more than ever. One of the challenges is the subs and the coverage, and you know, even if you have the funding, there's a chapter around there about um, funding and how to go through some of those obstacles of sub coverage. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Um, I think that one of the strategies that we use is to do, we plan them all in advance. At my school, we do them once a month. Some schools do them quarterly. Um, So it's really arranging ahead of time to find that coverage. Mm -hmm. We'll also ask for a whole day sub, even if we're not, we're not going in classrooms from eight to three the whole time, but we use that time also to release teams for professional learning community work, um, to do mentoring. So if we can take a day and get a few subs in the building, we can knock off a lot of our school improvement goals with the different Mm -hmm. parts of the day. That's been a strategy that's been helpful. Um, and all of this is school improvement related. So we are a Title I school but where I am right now. So we're able to tie it to some of those fundings too, as far as the funding piece for the substitute teachers. 
There's also opportunities in this now. And I think more than ever, one of the challenges for schools and for educators and teachers are, um, it's really hard to be a teacher right now. And um, I feel like teachers and leaders are fielding a lot of criticism, um, not always loving the job. It's, it's real hard. We've gone through major changes. And one of the things that I notice about instructional rounds is it is a way to bring that joy, that celebration, and that validation mm -hmm. back to the work that we're doing. We so often exist in the isolation of our individual classrooms, and we're in there from eight to three. We step out for lunch, um, and then we're back in there, and we don't always see the big picture or celebrate the impact that is happening around learning around our whole school. So mm -hmm. my favorite part about it is it really does bring joy back into the profession, um, not only validating ourselves as educators, but also celebrating and validating those that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, having kind of a guide as to how to make this happen. I mean, I've been in a few schools that, try to use this model, maybe not consistently, but, you know, a couple times a year where you're um, observing other teachers. Um, but for those who really want to implement it, as you say, maybe monthly or bi-monthly um, as uh, part of the school improvement, um, it's definitely worth uh, checking out uh, how, how you went about it um, kind of as a result of that school merger. Uh, tell me also about your chapters in the um, No Nonsense book, starting with the 100 no-nonsense things that all teachers should stop doing. Yeah, that chapter really takes us back a little bit to the restorative practice piece mm -hmm. that we started talking about. Um, the chapter is titled, Stop Punishing Students Without Listening to Their Side of the Story. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good reminder that we all enter any kind of situation with our own story and our own perspective and our own experiences. Yeah, it's really important to listen to what was going on with the student, what they were thinking when the situation happened. Um, what are they thinking about now? How can they make it right? So hearing their side of the story often gives us a whole different perspective of what was going on. In that chapter, I write about a story that um, I, I had some students that were sent to the office during mm -hmm. recess time for, for throwing some rocks and someone got hurt. And um, when this, when it was presented to me, um, it was a bullying situation and this kid's always throwing rocks at this kid. And, and as I have this conversation with all of our students that were involved in it, I realized that there was um, something very innocent and um, mm -hmm. not not intentional to do any harm going on. And it was an insightful story to me because, you know, the story that was told as these kids came down to the office um, and the story that I learned from them was very different. And I think that we can start to see things from their perspective and realize that um, intentions behind mistakes that students make at school may not be what we thought that mm -hmm. they were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so important to remember, really kind of getting to the bottom of uh, what's going on and 
sometimes it's hard for younger ones to really articulate also what's happened. I've worked with kids of all ages and, you know, I worked last year with the the younger ones and it's, uh, it's really, you know, asking a lot of questions, right. And then uh, making sure they feel safe. Um, and then they can share because it does have to do with bullying a lot of the time as well. And being afraid of how peers are going to react and those types of things. Um, so you also wrote a chapter in the hundred no nonsense, uh, things that all administrators should stop doing. And what was the chapter you wrote there? Um, in that book, I wrote a chapter titled Stop Ignoring Feedback of Any Kind from Anyone. And, you know, I think it's important as a leader, like you're serving so many different groups of people. You're serving mm -hmm. your students, you're serving your staff, um, your custodians, your parents. Um, and it's really important to understand all the lenses that people are, are bringing as they come into your school and for them to um, be able to know that they can approach you and share feedback with you and that, that you'll take that time to listen and understand perspectives. I feel like so much of, of the role of the leader is just flipping through the lenses of, of all the people that you're working with and understanding views and lenses and per perspectives before being able to move forward with decision-making or um, even execution of new practices and um, you, you know, the things that you're gonna put on your meeting agendas and the learning that you're gonna do is understanding all those perspectives. And you need to be open to, to taking that feedback and learning from it and understanding it. Yeah, it's so important to um, realize that when, you know, people um, may come to the school um, and not know all the information and, you know, they heard something through their student or through, you know, media, social media, especially, it's really taking the time to listen. Um, that's what I've learned in administration is, you know, people might come with, uh, you know, they're irate sometimes or, you know, at least really having a lot of questions and, you um, just really about valuing um, what they have to say and being that listening ear goes a long way. So you're right. And I think valuing it mm -hmm. is a great way to phrase it because many times it, you got to remember that it takes courage sometimes to go to the school leader, to, to share a perspective and a story, mm -hmm. especially if, if the feedback you want to share is critical feedback. So um, I always try to remember that, like, for some people, it takes a lot of courage to to come and tell me something that they want me to know. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your consulting. Um, so after this school year, you'll be uh, consulting full time. Um, so talk about some of the um, things that you are able to present on, present on and work with schools on, such as strengths-based instructional rounds and school leadership mentoring. And also talk to me about your availability um, after the school year's over. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're right, Dana. This, um, I have decided to um, kind of retire, rewire a little bit. So leave the principal role um, and start Vicki Wilson Consulting. Um, my two, I would say, passion areas are the lead with instructional rounds 
packages um, that I can offer to schools. Um, that's where my heart is drawing me to right mm-hmm. now. And my goal is to support schools all over with this work, um, you know, not just in Michigan, but um, anywhere. And to grow this strength-based approach to, mm-hmm. to recognize the positive work we're, we're doing and to grow all those in our building through it. Um, I have designed some packages for schools that um, could be anywhere from just a couple days working with a school on growing this work to extending that more and doing coaching with facilitator as they are um, executing the instructional rounds. So typically it would look like um, spending a whole day with the school and doing a deep dive around um, the work of lead with instructional rounds with the leadership team or a task force. And in that work, we would also write that school's playbook for executing their instructional rounds. Um, followed by then another day that's uh, all staff kickoff to build enthusiasm and understanding around instructional rounds and try to produce the apprehension that can come with it. Um, really press forward that this is about validating, celebrating, and growing our practices with each other. Um, and then after that, I would offer coaching days where I would go and work specifically more with the facilitator at that point to compose some really strong open-ended reflection questions after a classroom observation that would guide dialogue around best practice based on a strength that we saw in the um, So depending on how many days they want to do it, a package typically would look like either um, the two days plus one day of coaching or up to four days of coaching. Okay. Um, and then I also... Another passion I have is just working with leaders. So leadership mentoring and coaching, which um, can be face-to-face or virtual or a a blend of a little bit of each. Are you currently doing um, some leadership mentoring with maybe um, newer leaders in your district or area in Michigan? Yes, I recently started doing that through... um, our professional organization in Michigan, Michigan Elementary and School, Middle School Principals Association. So um, through MEPSA, I am just an excellent organization. Um, I am doing some mentoring with leaders and really like their philosophy. It's, you know, that all leaders can use a support, a guide on the side. So um, their approach is it's not necessarily just for new leaders, but seasoned leaders, experienced leaders, just, just have someone to consult and coach with. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so um, great to hear when people, um, you know, decide to go to full-time consulting to also lend um, some of their expertise um, to leaders who need a coach. Uh, because that is a very isolated profession. Um, I've been working um, in a mastermind for about four years, uh, both individually and with a group, but it's just having that uh, perspective of other people, right? That might not be in your area or district, right? And that you could just um, lay any concerns out and you're not judged. So (laughs) um, I think it's really, really great. Um, It sure is. um, So we've- uh, It's definitely very isolating, 
yeah i'm sorry yeah no it's fine (laughs) yeah so the more and more people that are out there able to serve as coaches uh for leaders uh the better because i think we have a lot of instructional coaches and schools for teachers not every school has one but we often have those uh you know mentor teachers or lead teachers or veteran teachers that will help the newer teachers but new leaders ap's or principals don't always have that person um, who, you know, isn't their boss, right, <laughs> as as somebody to lean on. Um, so we've talked a lot about your writing today, uh, your experience uh, with the school merger, and your experience with the instructional rounds. Um, can you uh, tell me one thing uh, you'd like listeners to remember from everything we've talked about? Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing I'd like people to remember from our podcast today is that I think there's a great opportunity to grow and learn from strengths, the strengths that we bring to the profession and the strengths that others bring to the profession. And I just see value in in highlighting strengths over deficits Mm -hmm. um, or what's going wrong. Um, I feel like there's plenty of criticism out there right now all over the field of education. And Mm -hmm. I'd like to see that change and really highlight the positive things that are happening and use those as our growth opportunities. Great, great. Yeah, that's so important because um, I think the more we're able to uh, talk up the strengths and uh, help people develop based on their strengths, um, the more people we're able to keep in the field as well, because, you know, we've had a lot of turnover in the past couple of years. So, um, you know, have them grow um, and not uh, be too critical. I mean, there's things that people can always improve upon, but like, yeah, have that strengths-based approach. Where can people connect with you and find you online? I'm active on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Vicki L. Wilson 5. And I also have a website, so you can connect to me um, via email, Twitter, everything all through that website. It probably is a little easier to remember. And that's just um, VickiWilson.org. Great, great. I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on the Out of the Trenchers podcast today. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Dana. It was a pleasure to talk with you today. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please re- leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at out of trenches PC. Mm-hmm.